like I still can't fathom, you know, when I'm walking into rooms now and the way people just talk about millions and millions of dollars. I'm, I just be like, quiet what? when they ask me about money. I'm like, <laughs> oh you don't want to ask me how much we can make it for because I'm going to say this low number yeah. and you're going to think I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. For this episode, I had the privilege of speaking with Numa Perrier. Earlier this year, Miss Numa, as many of her social media followers know her, released her first feature-length film called Jezebel on Netflix. I first met Numa about four years ago at an art gallery exhibition that I was a part of, and ever since, we remain connected on Instagram. So in a way, I kind of feel like I had a front row seat to her evolution from artist to director. And this is simply because getting Jezebel off the ground, it took a lot of guts. We all have a story to tell, but do we have the drive and the business sense to get it off the ground and into the homes through one of the biggest streaming services in the world? I watched Numa crowdfund and promote the hell out of not just her own project, but out of herself, period. I watched her also struggle to be seen. As you'll soon learn, Numa is driven. She's also not new to the entertainment game. Before web series in general became trendy and seen as a viable form of entertainment, she co-founded Black and Sexy TV, the first Black web series umbrella on the internet. She and her colleagues did this with a shoestring budget. Now... She's the producer, director, and star of her own indie feature that has taken the festival world by storm. You have got to hear her story. It's more than inspiring. It's a blueprint. So get into it. Hi. Hi, Numa. Hi. Hi, Numa Perrier. Yes, hello. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. I'm so happy to be here. I'm sitting here with... The amazingly talented and beautiful, just goddess, Numa Perrier, writer, director, producer, all the things. Um, how's, how are you feeling? I feel so good. I've never felt so good. I feel um, just so seen right now in my career, in my yeah. personal life. Everything is just lining up really nice. I've followed you on social for a little while. How far back? MySpace? Okay, so not, not, not MySpace. Not <laughs> no, MySpace. That real OG. You know, like, if you knew my <laughs> MySpace, MySpace like the bronze goddess, you know, <laughs> if you knew the MySpace days, like, yes. you know, that was like me just, the little bud of my yes. artistry coming out, coming you know. Out. So the, okay, yeah. not quite not that far. Maybe uh, four years, I met mm-hmm. you in person at an event that I was doing. It was way far back, but mm-hmm. maybe four years ago. But I remember... Connect. You were there with your daughter, mm. so I met your daughter, mm-hmm. and it was at a Nikia Brown exhibition. Oh, so yes, the artist. Yes. And anyways, yeah. I've been following you that long. Thank you. So <laughs> it, it has been amazing to just see you shining right now, and because I know I know a little bit of the journey. Yeah. I know it's taken some time, so yeah. I want to dig into that. All but right. first, <laughs> first, I got a little question for you. Um, I like to ask everyone on the podcast this first question. Tell me about your very first, first, first job. That first time you got a paycheck. Uh, for anything? For anything. <laughs> for anything in for life. For anything. Yep. My first job was a paper route. Okay. I had a paper route when I was in junior high. Okay. I think. Uh, so I've been working since I was 13. Yeah. <laughs> and um, always wanted to have my own money. Mm-hmm. Um, my family didn't have any. I never had like... You know, when we do school trips, you know, your parents are supposed to give you money. My mom would like maybe give me like five dollars and all the (laughs) other kids always had a 20. Always, you know, had a sense of kind of shame around that, that I couldn't do the extra things that I wanted to do. And I saw my friends doing. So I was like, I'm going to get a job. So I got a paper route and I would bike. It's a very independent and very responsible job. too. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because if you don't make it, people don't get the news. Yes, you you have to deliver them. I mean, there's rules. You can't just throw it in the yard. It has to be right where they can get it by the door. Yes. Um, on the weekend, you have to get up very early for the Sunday morning paper. I would get up before dawn. You're 13. I'm 13 years old. Get on my bike yeah. and put, you know, the bags on the handles. And I would just be biking through the neighborhood wow. delivering newspapers. My my hands would be black from the newsprint. <laughs> and um, yeah, I made my own money that way. And then I would have to go also collect the money ah. as well. Do, so so I were you doing? 
you was must... like nuts to bolts with it. Were you alone completely? Doing I was this? alone completely yeah. doing it. You know, looking back, it's funny. I really never talked about that, but looking back on, I'm like, wow, that was. I remember feeling a little scared on Sunday mornings because it would still be dark mm-hmm. while I was biking. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to have my own money. I was very independent, and um, I also didn't want to be lacking yeah. you know and so I had my own money from a young age that's a lot of perspective to have mm-hmm. I think at 13 or maybe we don't give enough credit to to ourselves at that age we're so yeah, observant I almost things, forgot you know, about like, it when you said your very first job I'm like well that that would be <laughs> it and I also have amazing legs because of it <laughs> Because I was, yes. you know, biking and like my legs to this day, like I don't even really work out, you know, that much lately anymore. I but um, I still have like these really like strong, strong like muscular legs. legs. And I, I think it goes back to that. <laughs> and this was um, where? Where were you living? I was living in a little town that got popular recently because of some earthquakes called Ridgecrest, California, which is a desert town by a military base um, a couple hours outside of L.A. So I lived a lot of my younger years in small towns on the West Coast, Washington, Oregon, and small town California. So So can you tell me just about a little bit about your family, your upbringing? I know you are Haitian. Yes, Yes. Haitian. Um, And I know that does inform, you know, some of your... It has it's informed some of your work, some of the mm. things that I've seen. So tell me about your, your family, your upbringing, and yes, I'm like Haitian. Yes. I was born in Haiti. <laughs> I was adopted at a young age and brought to the states in um, some kind of interesting circumstances that I'm it. still trying to figure out to okay. this day. But I was raised by an American couple, mm-hmm. and they adopted me, my two brothers. And my sister all together. Wow. So uh, pretty, so part of the good. family unit was intact. Um, we lived in small towns. We moved a lot. We moved. Probably, I probably went to a dozen different schools, you know, okay. throughout, you know, from kindergarten to when I graduated. We would move like every year and a half, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter. Okay. Um yeah, so I really feel like I had a very American yeah. upbringing, you know, but as a young adult, I was able to reconnect with my biological family mm-hmm. and go to Haiti and that? develop. Oh. So I was um, 17 at the time and then started traveling uh, with them to Haiti. Uh, we, we took uh, three trips there. They live in Miami now. They immigrated. Um, and so now I kind of had that dual family where I had a relationship with both sets of parents for a certain amount of time. Um, Yeah. And I feel like that's pretty much informed every, every decision I've ever made. And I think it did birth an artist in me because Mm -hmm. I was always trying to figure out who I was, you know, culturally, who, you know, what my relationship is to the world. Where do I belong? You you know, all of that stuff. I never felt like I fit in anywhere. And I felt like, um, that's why I started writing at an early age, you know, and imagining other realities for myself was because I just had this kind of very disconnected, fragmented, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, world and environment. And I've always been trying to kind of figure it out. Yeah. And so in that way, I say, you know, it's been a, a fabulous thing to have, you know, been uprooted That's pretty uh, because I have those different perspectives. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like you just had a big imagination since you were a kid. Huge. Were you into science fiction or anything like that? Not so much science fiction. I was yeah. always into romance. Okay. Of you course. Know? Yeah. Of, of course, Miss Black and Sexy TV. <laughs> exactly. I was yes. always like my imagination was always. You know, my mother watched um, all the soap operas, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what I was raised on. I wasn't raised on movies at all. Never went to the movie theater. Our our family, only families with money can take a bunch (laughs) of kids to the movies. Yeah, because it was a lot of y'all. Yeah, you don't go, you don't go to the movies. Um, You don't do that. You don't do that. That's not, that's a privilege. Um, So you watch TV and TV becomes like another, another parental force sometimes, you know, so... 
uh, soap operas is was what I grew up on, and so my imagination was what what soap opera imaginations <laughs> were. You know, relationships, the drama, the, love, drama, the jealousy, the yes. intrigue. That's the kind of stuff I was writing about. You know, when I was really young, I was writing my own soap operas. Yeah, you know, so I've always <laughs> been into that, and I wanted to be you know a soap opera star. Okay, you know that's what I wanted, yeah. and so like now I am in this strange I was way. Say now, like, <laughs> you can bring the drama, like, yeah, but we're gonna I bring the drama. We're definitely gonna get into you being in the work that you produce mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell me about so you did kind of get to when you were around seventeen, what your life was like. Yeah. But when you were eighteen, it sounds like. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. You moved to Vegas. And you became cam girl. Yes. Why can't yeah. I get well, my sister, <laughs> words? Well, you know, because it's not you I'm know common like language. nomenclature. You know, wasn't you I'm know the, the the language is yes. not necessarily what's always you know used. But I couldn't remember if it was a phone sex operator or but it was a cam girl, right? Okay. Well, because my sister was the phone sex yes. operator, which we get into in the movie. She, yeah, she mm-hmm. led me to the cam girling, which was very new at the time. My sister was doing phone sex in our studio apartment and there were five of us living there so you could hear everything i could hear everything so before you started you kind of had a a little bit Uh, you had some notes (laughs) let's just say it had some background in it like uh, you know it was so that's so weird and creepy to hear you know your your own sister moaning and groaning on the phone but she's faking it yeah you know but it's still like like but at the same time it was also interesting you know and fascinating and sometimes we would leave the house when she had her shift and sometimes we would just stay there and it was kind of like the background noise mm-hmm. we would watch tv and in the background you can hear her just like oh yeah you know just- <laughs> but it paid the yeah, bills yeah it, it paid, paid the my bills. sister uh was the breadwinner and the only person employed in that house yeah. for a long time yeah which is you know how the cam girl thing came about because uh when our mother passed away she my sister kind of sat me down and was like what are you what are you gonna do next we can't all live here in the studio apartment together I found this ad for you in the paper you need to go explore this thing and I read it I read that I'll never forget I put these exact words in my script I'll never forget it was um nudity required in uh seeking internet models nudity required great pay (laughs) That was the pitch, you know. That was what did (laughs) it. That was, you know. All right. And so, great pay, of course. We like that. Um, Internet models. I didn't know what that was. Uh, Yeah. Especially at that time. Especially at that time. We have internet in our house. Nobody did. Nobody. Wow. The the few people who did had dial up. Okay. This is ninety nine. Yeah. We in the ninety nine. Dial up was a thing. And dial up was a thing. The free. Um. What was it? The free AOL CDs. That sometimes all of that. All of that. Okay. And so I don't really know a lot about it. um, I just know it's internet model. I'm asking. I know it's nudity required. Mm-hmm. I definitely saw that. And my sister's just like, don't worry about it. It's not going to be a big deal. You won't have to talk like I do. All of those words I put in the script because I'll never forget <laughs> yes. them. They were like burned into my brain. Yeah. So because we didn't have internet in our house, I had to actually go into an office to interview, to interview. For, the, for a job. You know, so I show up, you know, and I've got like this wig on, you know, yep. <laughs> trying to be incognito. <laughs> <laughs> got my wig on and you know I'm like hi <laughs> I'm here for the ad in the paper yeah and they hired me on the spot so at okay you're 18 18 19, How, 19. Mm-hmm. um a job like this, uh, it sounds like it's very new territory. Mm-hmm. Were you how comfortable with you with your body? Like how you know at nineteen years old, like what, did the nudity aspect kind of intimidate you, or was it like okay, whatever? You know, it's weird because it was really only slightly intimidated me yeah. because the way that you know it was set up is you don't see the other person it's not like now facetime you can see that person and you so you don't see the eyes that are looking at you Mm -hmm. um it's a you're in a room with a computer and a camera which was my first exposure to 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 filmmaking (laughs) (laughs) little did i know but um yeah you're in a room with a computer and a camera 
you can't see the other person, you can't hear them, they mm-hmm. can't hear you. Right. You're just with other women, yeah, and they're all you know co- totally just comfortable. No we're in robes and disrobing, um, and you're only we were only nude if we went into a private show. Got it. So it was kind of just like a bikini chat, like a peep room, yeah, in a peep show type of thing. God, I'm remembering the internet at this time. Like I, re- I remember those ads and things coming. Like yeah, it was very bikini yeah. girl. Yeah, so, like I had my bikini on and I had no. I loved my body. Like I had no issue with being in being in a bikini, you know, with other women, yeah. you know. And then, you know, I can't really remember what my first private show was like going into that separate room mm-hmm. where now you're just typing back and forth with someone and they're like, take off, show me your tits, yeah. do this and that. It's like, <laughs> whoa, well, all right, okay. <laughs> Again, it was kind of a form of escapism because you can't see that other person. It almost doesn't feel real. It's almost like I was doing it to please myself almost, you know? And, um, I feel like that really shaped me in a certain way and kind of also removed a lot of, um, what you would, what you would expect to be maybe traumatic was there was a removal of that because I didn't have to deal with With other people, the reality of who was on the other side of it. Yeah. So a job like this, do you remember how much did you make? So it was $15 an hour, which was plus great. every show that you got was a dollar a minute. Okay. And if it was a two girl show, you okay. got $2 a minute. Got it. So in 99 to be 19, making $15 an hour, That's I was making good, good money. Yeah. Yeah. I would get my check on Friday and be like, yes. <laughs> you know, I really felt like it was, it was my, I was able to move out, get my own place and eventually move to LA, got you it. know, because, the, and the money was so good because it was new, mm-hmm. you know, the adult industry it was, it was just a boon. Like yeah. when the internet came out, oh, we can privately can have this? our fantasies. Yeah. Now I can anonymously engage with a person with a, with a real life woman. About. Yeah. You know, that, that was never possible before. Yeah. So phone sex was a really big deal before then. The yep. phone sex industry went down. And then the cam industry. Then once the visual every, came, yeah. you know. No they competition. Want, they want to see. They want to see. <laughs> once they could see what yes. they could hear. Yeah. Ah. Uh, you know everything changed yeah so um from the time that you started to the how long was it before you moved to LA about two years okay Mm -hmm. and then where did black and sexy tv come in or am I getting too ahead so a little bit because there was definitely a a big gap of time like when I moved to Los Angeles I immediately got into acting class Mm -hmm. dance class voice everything Everything. just started I was so excited to be there I had never lived in Los Angeles before I always knew I wanted to live there but I never even visited the city wow so it was another like very independent leap of faith I said I'm just moving there Mm -hmm. so I just like took a flight, <laughs> uh, got a roommate, you and know, and, and uh, got an agent. Um, a lot you of got things an, you lined got an up agent for me that... pretty quickly. Wow. I got an agent through a referral. Okay. Um, someone was like, oh, I have an agent for you. And I remember it was Angel City Talent. Okay. And I th- her name is Mimi. I think she's still an agent. Okay. And it this was very Hollywood and to me, like Angel City. Angel City Talent. Agent. Yes. Like... She was my first agent. <laughs> and I remember she dropped dropped me sorry Mimi (laughs) but I remember she dropped me because you know I didn't have any mentors or anything when I went into um when I went into the business you know I just had this dream and there were just things that I didn't know about being responsible Mm -hmm. you know and being I remember like I was late for a coaching session and like and when by the time I got there the coach had to leave that was their time you know I just didn't get it there are things I didn't get and she was just like you're not ready you know like you're Uh, not and I that was a huge lesson for me that oh you know, like there's ropes to learn in this industry and there's the way to operate and there's professionalism. Yes. And I didn't know you didn't, those you had things. To learn that. Like I had to learn I, yeah. and I learned it quick and hard, you know, and it was like, okay, I had to really um, ramp up to get another agent, you know, um, but in between then I was creating my own work because okay. I've, I've always You've done You've always that. been a creator. Always. And I know you, you were always creating a lot of like artistic... Projects that really were very artistically fulfilling. Mm. I was reading about that a little, lurking a little bit. <laughs> lurk, lurk. Lurk, lurk. <laughs> so to me, like, you've always, it sounds like you've always had the, the spirit of an artist. Mm-hmm. 
And then, um, of course, you've been able to take that artistry and that creativity and to put it into real projects where yeah. you can, you know, actually get paid, which mm-hmm. I think is pretty it's pretty amazing. Um, but what advice do you have for people who are out there, who are artists, who are, you know, pardon the cliche, struggling? Mm-hmm. Advice for the struggle. Oh, well, <laughs> I will say that every great thing that has come to me, every great opportunity, every breakthrough has been because I created something on my own and I didn't wait. And I've definitely got caught up in the cycle of waiting for someone, waiting for an agent, waiting for, I don't know, help, just waiting for things um, and, and getting frustrated and even angry, you know, that that help wasn't coming or that that opportunity, you know, um, just in that, in that game of like, when, when is it my turn? You know, Um, that's never worked for me. The, the thing that's worked for me and that I always encourage is to do whatever you can to create your own mm-hmm. thing, whatever it is, or writing a play, writing your own. Like, don't wait for someone to give you a big a book deal. Write your book and publish your book and opportunities yeah. will come. It doesn't matter how small it is. If it's if if it pleases you first you know it's going to please more people. Mm. You're, you are you're not these isolated individuals on the planet. If you feel, if you feel that, um, like, strong excitement about something, there are going to be other people to you match that. that. And even if you have to find them one at a time, just yeah. you got to do that. Like, you really, really cannot wait. No one is thinking about you. Mm-hmm. Mm, you know, nobody I'm, is. I'm letting it sink <laughs> you know? in. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's like, yeah. you know, that's kind of like the hard advice I try to give people is like, no one's thinking no about one's thinking you, about honey. You. Like, you got to think about yourself. You got to yeah. be selfish. Yeah. You know, do your thing, whatever it is. Like, don't wait for anyone else. They'll come. Mm-hmm. They'll come and it'll be the right people at the right time. Then you collaborate and then you do more and do it gets more. bigger. I love that. So. Um, so tell me, how did Black and Sexy TV? Uh, that's when I first, I knew about Black and Sexy TV before I knew about you. Mm-hmm. And then I remembered when I found out, I was like, oh, that's the co-founder. Like, oh, what? Oh, okay. You yeah. know, but how did that, um, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Especially at the time, because that was such a, like, earth shattering thing yeah. to do oh, yeah. during a time when, you know, th- we think of the space as uh, being a little crowded now mm-hmm. with YouTube and everything and IGTV and all of this, but you kind of came into the game when it, it was just kind of starting yeah, with a lot of this, early, very this web early. series and things. <clears throat> yeah. Um, it was like-mindedness, you know, finding like-minded people. So I was, you know, creating art shows mm-hmm. and, um, Film. I was creating my own films, you know, yeah. writing and directing my own short films. And I was on MySpace and I was putting all my work out there. And I get a DM. We didn't yeah. even call them DMs. And I what do we call them? Like, mess private? Was I that a message? <laughs> I got a message from uh, Dennis Storch. Um, sent me a private message and was like, I really like your page. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, you know, yeah. I remember getting those messages <laughs> yeah, exactly. from, from the men. Yeah, I like your page. And my page was really provocative and definitely like (laughs) full of all the like feminine, like sensuality. Like it was like very, uh, you know, it was very progressive in that way. So, you know, he found it and he had um, made a film called A Good Day to Be Black and Sexy. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, you're a photographer. I wish um, I just made this film. I wish you could have been on set shooting the thing, you know, and I was like, well, I'd love to see your film. I've also made films. Thank you. (laughs) And so like we connected and we, he showed me his film, which was in um, post-production at the time. And this was around what time? This was in 2008. Yes. Okay. okay. So right. he showed me his film. I showed him my film. It was like this whole creative exchange, <laughs> yes. you know. And, you know, we became very close. Uh, we didn't become romantic partners right away. It was like about a year of just supporting each other's work, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, his film got into Sundance. Okay. So when his film went to Sundance, um, he was like, I would love you to come on board and help promote yeah. and, you know, market the film. Um, even though the film had a publicist, uh. Miss Ava DuVernay. Oh. 
Okay. That's how far it goes back. I have been trying to figure this connection out because Ava. So the film was picked up at Sundance by Magnolia Pictures. Okay. Magnolia Pictures hired Ava's company um, uh, at the time. Ava was making her first film very quietly. I will follow. She was quietly like, I'm a filmmaker, I'm making my movie. So she was doing that. Uh, Dennis was at Sundance. I came on board to help continue to like shape the look and feel. So I did photo shoots. Yeah. I shot the movie poster. Um, and we just started talking uh, talking and dreaming about what else could come of this, you yeah. know, because it was this huge fan base for the movie mm-hmm. right here in New York. Huge sold out screenings in Brooklyn mm-hmm. and people wanted more. They were like, can we get more? Can we get more? So it was like, OK, let's start filming some stuff stuff you know let's start filming some stuff and just put it on youtube and um help continue to promote the movie and so we did that and we were on facebook now and we had a we had a page on facebook which is pretty like which was early like we were doing it was really well curated we would take turns i one day i would do the post the next day uh, dennis would do the post (laughs) social media strategy we we were just scraping for great images that were black and sexy you know that made you feel good about being black and that were just beautiful photography and sometimes i would throw my photography in there but we were just always just scraping the internet for photos you know and um and trying to promote people. And so th- that started to grow. And I remember one day I said to Dennis, we got to do episodic content. We got to do a series. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to do something where people want to tune in every week yeah. and we could have our own like BET on YouTube. That's going what I said, that, you know, yeah. <laughs> and also going back to that uh, daytime drama. Exactly. <laughs> I was yes. like, we I'm need like, to do, no, we series. do this. And also I really wanted to be acting. Yeah. And I was just like, one of these series, maybe I could act mm-hmm. in. And, and I did, yeah. you know, um, and it really fed. So between, you know, Dennis and I, uh, he had his partner, cinematographer, uh, Brian Harding uh, came on board also. And then we met Janine Daniels, who had seen the film and was like, I want to be part of what you all are doing. So the four of us were the original co-founders of Black and Sexy TV. And we uh, put we started filming stuff, releasing it every every week on YouTube. I love this big grin <laughs> that comes across your face. And because like I'm so proud of it, yeah. you know, I'm so proud of it to this day. We were the first. We were the first that were out there and I and I still don't think anything like that really exists. No. Um because yes, we have more black programming now, but I don't feel like we have anything that just completely feels like us. Yeah. That is completely like you know that this is our hands all over it. Yeah. And you actually feel like these are people that you know, <laughs> you know. And so every actor that, you know, came through Black and Sexy TV that was on any of our programming, they were more popular for those for shows our little micro budget series than they were for some of the work they had done on ABC, yeah. HBO, wow. you know, still to this day, you know, those that have went on to even do more, they're still recognized off of black and sexy, yeah. you know, and, and you said micro yeah, budget, micro budget. How much? So our first series that we did or one of the first series that the one that I was in called the couple, okay. we were making that for like $300 an episode. Wow. Because we're filming in my apartment, so no, you know, we were, you know, we were borrowing a camera. We might rent a lens and pay for lunch. Got it. That's how lo-fi it was. Um, It ended up growing. Mm -hmm. The budgets ended up growing, but they were still like I still can't fathom. You know, when I'm walking into rooms now and the way people just talk about millions and millions of dollars. I'm, I just be like, quiet what? when they ask me about money. I'm like, <laughs> oh you don't want to ask me how much we can make it for because I'm going to say this low number yep. and you're going to think I don't know what the hell I'm talking about or I'm going to shortchange myself, mm-hmm. you know? So I just don't even talk about money in the in the big rooms anymore okay. um, because what we were doing <laughs> was like, people can't imagine that, you know? So we probably ended up spending... Once the series got bigger, it would still be per episode, 
no more than like $7,000 for an episode, you know, um, you know, at the time, um, as you keep growing, you want to be able to pay your actors more, you know, they deserve more, they demand more. Uh, you want to, you know, upgrade your, you want to upgrade your equipment. You want to upgrade all of this stuff, but we always just were scrappy and found a way because we had to, we never had an investor. Were you working another, like a side jobs and you know, any other, um, I was here and there, you know, acting job here and there, a styling job here and there, you know, hustling. Um, um, but no, we no lived. waitressing. No, no, I was. Nothing. I'm not a good waitress. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried that. That wasn't good. It was like, you know, where's my condiments? I was yeah. like, get your own damn. You know? <laughs> over there, you can get yeah, up and go. Like, you know, like I, over there on the side. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the whole like working for tips thing. Yeah. You know, like I feel like they need to bake tips into. They just need to pay waiters a lot more, they do a everywhere lot more else, money. They do everywhere period. else in the world. Just, I don't know why we're that Just pay the money. You shouldn't have to be, you know, you shouldn't yeah. have to do all that, you know. Um, that's just, and people are so rude, you know. I was not a good waitress, so okay. no. So my side jobs were I was always like hustling in some other way, you Got know. It. Just okay. like, how can I do this? How can I do that? But also just living very scrappy. And there yeah. were times where we almost got evicted. You know, because we were using our rent money to pay for, to pay for you know, what you were to creating pay, to pay for lunch and stuff like yeah. that. And at one part, our landlord was like, this has gone too far. And I remember being in eviction court um, with my child. You couldn't bring a child into the court. So I, I had to give her to daycare. Like, I'm getting emotional. Mm-hmm. I remember um, I've always been really fortunate to have just like these angels guardian angels but also angels on the planet that have my back these benefactors you know and so I had this one benefactor (laughs) (laughs) he knew the drama that we were going through you know and I remember he came by so we went to eviction court um, my kid couldn't go. She was in daycare. Um, at the end of eviction court, we made an agreement with the landlord. So we weren't going to get kicked out, but we had to pay X amount of dollars yeah. by the end of that day. Exactly that. We were also filming. We had a we had a film shoot scheduled for that night. And I remember just thinking, well, even if we get evicted, they can't kick us out tonight. So yeah. we're still going to film. <laughs> <laughs> the show must <laughs> go priorities. on you know I'm like yes. we're still gonna film yes. but if we get evicted and we were just trying we're trying to have like a contingency plan you know and my my friend benefactor came through drove to my house with an envelope with the cash in it wow. so that <sighs> we could deposit it because we wrote it we had wrote a check at yeah. court and it, that check needed to clear or we were gonna be evicted yeah. and so that money came through we filmed that night and we just we carried on wow you know, we carried on and it's just like, people don't know, you know, like (laughs) we did what needed to be done because we felt such a a passion and an urgency for it to happen. And also because we don't know how to do anything else. Like that's, that's what it's, you know, know, creating and just, that's the, there just wasn't anything else that we wanted to do. So we were going to make it happen. So Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm letting all that, you know, absorb, especially being a mom. Mm -hmm. And um, when you became a mother, how old is your daughter now? She's eight now. When you be when you first became a mother, did you start? Did that passion to do this kind of work, did it grow or? Yeah. I mean, it seemed from what I gathered, it sounded like it. There was a sense of urgency, maybe, that Mm -hmm. came from that? It really, really, really grew. And my daughter was on set with me when she was five weeks old. Uh, We had pictures of me, like, breastfeeding her (laughs) on set of Roomy Lover Friends, which was, like, you know, I I was on set with my five-week-old breastfeeding. And they were like, this is the quietest baby. Like, she already knew how to behave on set. Also, because I'm breastfeeding her yes. all day. She was not crying. She was very satisfied. <laughs> but everyone was like, they couldn't believe they were, you know, you see a baby on set, you, everyone gets nervous. Like, yeah. this baby going to be crying. It's going to be a problem. No, little Rocky, she knew what to do. <laughs> I had her on my boob. We were good. I was very happy to be on set. But I also felt the pressure of like, this has to, ha- you this know, has to be, it yeah. has to work. This yeah. has to be successful. Yeah. yeah. Um. So when did you begin writing Jezebel? 
So I wrote Jezebel. I started writing it way before Black and Sexy. Okay. <laughs> um, it's based on your life. Based on my life. <clears throat> I, I, when I moved to LA, I wasn't thinking about making the movie, but I thought it might, it could be a good story to tell. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, being a cam girl was not something that I talked about to anyone. Uh, my sister and I never even, she left Las Vegas too. We never talked about, it was like Las Vegas is the thing you don't talk about. <laughs> it, it literally not stayed because, in Las not Vegas. because but... I was a cam girl and not because she was a phone sex operator, but because um, we just went through so much shit, you know, like so much pain. You know, we lost our mom there. We did not like the city. Las Vegas is not a friendly city at all. Yeah. Um, we were we were like really scraping and fighting for our lives there. It was not a place that we wanted to re-engage with or talk about, you know. And none of our dreams were there. Like, dreams go and die there, mm-hmm. you know. It's like, they talk about, like, New York being the city of dreams, <sighs> L.A. being this. Yeah. Las Vegas is a place where you just, like, it's always, if you go, if you, you, your dreams, your dreams don't, you know, yeah. it's a vagrant city, yeah, it's transient, too. you know, yeah. it's where you go when you give up, kind of, you know, Ooh. and that's, yeah. uh, sorry, Las Vegas, sorry, <laughs> there's a lot of addiction, you know, this, and yeah. I know they've tried to like kind of reshape their brand and make it more family, and you can have a good time in Vegas, don't get me wrong, but the people living in Vegas, the people working in those casinos, the underbelly, all of the sex stuff. workers that are there, it is so dangerous, you know, and it is it is a rough city to mm, live in. Yeah. And we were just like, we are out of here, yeah. you know, <laughs> and we got <laughs> out, you know, and we just never talked about it again. Um, so but I started writing it because not talking about something and not unpacking any of like what we went through. I was carrying that in me and I, just, I had to write to, to get, get it, it out. out. Yeah. So I wasn't writing to like go produce it because I just didn't know when and how that would come together. But I just started writing it just to get the story out. And then the more that I was creating, making films, making my art films, Mm -hmm. doing all of the series at Black and Sexy TV, that like emboldened me to be like, I'm ready to make my feature. And this is the story that will be my feature film because it's the story that I know is all mine. I'm like, it's provocative, mm-hmm. you it know, provocative. It's, <laughs> it's, pro- it's, it's very it's provocative, yeah. you know, and I, I would want to hear it. I always try to think outside of myself. Like yeah. if I weren't me, would well, I be I wanna... excited about this? And yeah. I'm like, I would, I would yeah. want I would definitely want to hear it's this a unique story. story. So. And there's a lot of layers to it. Mm-hmm. And I can't. Yeah. I'm not... <laughs> no spoilers. But... Yeah, buddy. <laughs> so, okay. Um, there's so much to I. You could probably write a book on the process of I'm you like, know from writing <laughs> book deal, I know, right? Hey, book deal. <laughs> <laughs> on the process though, from writing yeah. to um, this moment now in mm-hmm. 2020, where y- the film was picked up by Netflix. But can you kind of just briefly guide me through what that process was? So you wrote it, and you ended up. I know a little bit from from. Mm-hmm from following you for so long um but I just want to know more about the funding for Mm -hmm. things and Mm -hmm. how did you how were you able to get this from you know a passion art kind Mm of project so to speak to Netflix well I do want to say that uh Ava DuVernay and her company Array mm-hmm. uh, releasing are the ones who picked up the film. This was this is black women who yes. are doing this. Come on, black women. Okay, Ava and Array, her team there, incredible team. Um, uh, Tulane Jones, mm-hmm. um, Sharon, who's their publicist. Like they just have this incredible. They have this incredible team of women who love film, who understand the business, who are just like kick ass at what they do um, who identify projects and say we are going to put everything behind this you know so um, Ava and Array you know forged a deal with Netflix that their films go right into that pipeline so that's a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. because that's like you know (laughs) worldwide exposure you know and so yeah I want to want to be very clear about that that Mm -hmm. it's like it's really through them, you know, that this platform is, you know, being activated. Um, 
so we made the film. Okay. Um, how far back do you want me to go with how we made back. the film? <laughs> I know, because I want to keep yeah. you here for two more hours, but I know you got the time. Um, yeah, we, we made, okay, so. So let's go, let's go yeah. back. So you made the film, mm-hmm. but also I, I know it took a lot to make that because, mm-hmm. um, and did it, did you have to do any crowdfunding? Yes. Okay. That's what I'm the remembering. The film was funded in three stages. Okay. Tell me so about those three stages. the first stage was, so I'm finally just, my ambition is starting to like really ignite that I want to make a feature film because, uh, Although I'm like running all of these different series, I'm writing, producing, I'm directing, I'm acting when I can, I'm yeah. doing all this. I'm watching some of my peers, like Barry Jenkins, yes. you know, like Ada yeah. as well. Um, those are those are the two main ones I can think of right now. I'm watching. We, you know, I, you know, I've been, you know, critiquing each other's work and watching each other's short films and all of this, and I really noticed the difference between making short films and being a, an an enthusiastic artist to like starting to have a career. Mm -hmm. What I saw the difference was making a feature. Okay. Uh, And I said, that's what I need to do. That's my next, you know, I was kind of like mentoring myself. (laughs) I'm like, that's the next logical step. Like if I want to be known for my my full sense of artistry, I need to write and direct a feature feature. film, not a short, not, not a short film, yeah. a feature film. Okay. And that's when I made the decision. Okay, I, I got on that train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I just started, you know, the producer and me kicked in. When was this? How many, how long so ago? So this was, I really probably clicked into the decision around like 2000. 16, okay. 15, I think that was around a few the time years when, ago. Yeah. yeah when, probably okay. around like four years ago, I was like, it became solid Got for it. me that, you know, I'm going to do this. That's when I became familiar with your, with your work. I think okay. I started and kicking into when... another gear. <laughs> I was like, okay, um, it's time mm-hmm. I need to. And also back to what I was saying before, no one was going to come up to me and be like, Numa, would you like to make a feature film one day? Yeah. It doesn't work like that? Yeah. Like, (laughs) I had to initiate that process. No one was going to be like, you know, you're doing so much at Black and Sexy. Why don't you go make a feature? You know, take this money. And that's my own company. (laughs) And that still wasn't going to happen. I still had to do that for me. And so once I clicked into that, the producer in me started, you know, activating like, okay, so how and when and what would I shoot it on and who could I work with? Yeah. Who was, who's going to be my team? Who would play me in the film? Like, am I going to be in the film? And should I go out to that. other um, stars to be in this? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, should we shoot it in Las Vegas? The whole producer thing started coming into play. And then I'm having a conversation with my sister on the phone. And she I hadn't said any of this to her. She says to me, you know, I want to invest in something of yours. Aww. I want to like, what are you doing? You know, I want to yeah. <laughs> I want to do I want to give you some money. You want to get some money. Wait. Also, how much money? Because <laughs> at the time wow. we were trying to raise money for black and sexy, like a lot of money. So we could keep doing more so keep programming doing in a bigger way, like okay. bigger budgets. And it was, it was, that was hard. That yeah. was really hard. And I was like, I knew the amount of money she was talking about wasn't going to be anywhere near like that. a series A, <laughs> like round of funding. So I said, you know, I, there's a movie that I want to make. And I had to just like say it. Yeah. I said, I want to make a movie about when we lived in Las Vegas. It was like the first time the words Las Vegas wow. came out of our mouth. You know, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I want to make a movie about, you know, what the time we were in Las Vegas. And immediately my sister said, yes. Wow. Let's do it. You got it. I got you. It's also interesting that because you both, that's something that you didn't talk about Mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. So maybe, you know, deep down inside for both of you, there was a sense of like, okay, we need to to kind of not necessarily recover from it, but Mm -hmm. just get that out of us some way. So it probably is a sense of Mm -hmm. healing. Yeah, exactly. That was the beginning of our healing of this. It really was. And do you mind me asking how much was she able to contribute? So she gave me $30,000. Damn, sis. Peace meal, meal peace. That's all right. Peace meal. (laughs) It was crazy because, you know, um, my producer winter done, (laughs) she was, she will tell you this. Um, we were in Las Vegas. Like she gave me 
$5,000 to start. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, I need all the money up front. Yeah. Girl, like, yeah. what am I going to do with this $5,000, you know? Yeah. And so, like, I still had to scrape more money. Like, it, was, it was insane. But we got to you Vegas. Got okay. And then she would send me money in Vegas. It was so weird wow. how it was how she was doing it. It was almost just like she couldn't believe she was giving me that's that's a lot that's of, a mo- lot of like money. It is, you know, I don't care what anybody says. Like that's a lot of money for someone to just be like here, here. and I'm not. She's not even there monitoring like yeah. any of this. You know, it's she, a lot and, of, and it's, it's a lot Las of trust. Vegas. I could do anything in Las Vegas. <laughs> this is real. This is real. That's a lot of trust. A lot of trust. It's a lot of love you know? too. Oh, it yeah, really, truly yeah. is so much love. And so we were going to Western Union. To pick up three thousand dollars, five thousand dollars, four thousand dollars, like girl, they, like the Western Union people were probably like, okay, what are they it doing? Was so like, what well, is it's Vegas, like, so they used, used to it, to, right? You're right, because right. people are out here losing their whole like yeah. life savings out here in Las Vegas. Like the gambling thing is real. So, um, so she gave the first thirty thousand dollars, which got the film in the can. Okay, it got everyone housed. It got all of the. Um, Las Vegas shoot done, all of the LA shoot done, and then post production, I needed more money, and there was yeah. no more money that was going to come from and her. That's something that I don't hear. You know, you hear a lot of people talking about having big dreams, like I want to be a director, I want to mm-hmm. do this, I want to, you know. But the whole post production process, as to be honest, I learned through watching you. Mm, oh my gosh! I, I mean, there's certain <laughs> because you know, as an outsider, you don't really know how a lot of this works. Yeah. So when I'm seeing things about like things being edited and re- it's just there's just such a level of um, detail that goes yeah. into this process that I don't think a lot of people are familiar with. Or who knows? Maybe I'm projecting. Maybe no, I was just super no, naive. I, I think that but there's you know the curtain is very closed and yeah. people don't want to. You just kind of think like, about oh, it. we yeah. shot this and it got you know edited and Gosh, little sound no. stuff and some music got slapped on and <laughs> there we no, go. It's, the yeah. post production is pretty much you're starting to run another marathon. You yeah. know the first marathon is getting the thing done. Yes. you know, but you, no one's gonna see it if it doesn't if you don't do your post-production you, do you know yeah. it's like you just have footage on a hard drive you know or you just have like you know film you know yeah. canisters like you don't have a movie yet yeah. you, you just you have the beginning you of a footage. movie you have some footage girl yeah. like that's it you have some yeah. footage and so now you need more money and post-production is sometimes more expensive how much did you so i what? went okay. to gofundme question for you mm-hmm. how much did you think you needed versus how much did you actually need? Were they aligned? <laughs> I actually thought that I needed less because okay. I come from the micro budget space, you <laughs> yeah. know. And I was like, "We don't need it. We, we don't need, need it. We this. don't need that light. We don't need this, you know." <laughs> and it was my team kind of pushing me, like, actually, "Actually, you know, I wanted to make sure that all of my actors got paid, so they all got like the bottom of the barrel, ultra yes. low budget." I wanted to make sure all the producers, they, everyone. Everyone got the same day rate, yeah, you know. Everyone yeah. agreed to do it for that day rate. I didn't take a check, you know. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm doing I'm this. Do this. Um, but post production is kind of like you really need people to take care of you, mm-hmm. and they did it for very low budget too. But it was more than those more. day rates, you know. Yeah. So already it was like, okay, it's growing now. I need more money. So I got on GoFundMe. And the beautiful thing about it was that I had already made the film and people already knew my work. So I really had that advantage going in. I had a lot of resources, a lot of people that were really excited to know that I made a feature. They did. A lot of people didn't necessarily know I was doing that. Mm -hmm. And when they found out that I had made it already, Mm -hmm. that I think inspired them more to maybe give more than they would have or to even give it all you know like oh you like you made it so I had photographs I could show I had you know I had that makes a difference real people in you know so it was really great to have that um but post-production was over a year a lot of depression (laughs) a lot of just like okay I need to raise another I need to raise this much money today who am I gonna call you know a lot of boldness just like picking up the phone yeah. Um, sending emails like personal emails, yeah. you know, getting on Twitter, really telling my personal putting story, out there putting myself lot. all the way yeah. out there, you know, and just like so was the, is gotta there, do it. It was there, and I mean, I know it's so hard to 
think of these things in one amount because it's done in fragments. Mm-hmm. But is about how much money ended up going into this? So I guess the first thirty my sister gave. I raised almost thirty on GoFundMe. Wow! We finished the movie. I got an acting job in the middle of that. Woo. I put some of that Good. money into it, <laughs> so I chipped in some of my earnings, and then um, I submitted it to festivals. We got into South by Southwest. Yeah. And that then was a I was point. able, it was a big turning yeah. point because people were like, oh, oh. okay, <laughs> oh, okay, you've yeah. been selected. You know, I was like, press came with that. And also, you know, just some prestige came with that, which made um, executive producers yes, come. kind of come. So I felt way. more confident to make bigger phone calls okay. and say, hey, I need a 10K. Okay. I need you to, I need this, you know please <laughs> you know and um two black women okay said yes like immediately so uh janine sherman uh Baruahu, the, the uh executive the showrunner executive yeah. producer of claws okay. um had been aware of my work we had met a couple of times and i just reached out to her i know she's also an art collector yeah. and supports black artists yeah. and i considered this that so i was like hey I know this isn't buying a piece of art, but I need 10K because <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to get to, uh, to uh, South By. I'm trying to get to South By and uh, we need uh, color on our film. We need all this stuff. Wow. So she just she gave yeah. it, you know, yeah. and then um, Zola Mashariki, another a black woman executive uh, in so many black Hollywood, women have touched this project. Up. It's so it's amazing. She threw her money down as well. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was approached, you know, when your film gets into a major festival, you'll get approached by producers who are like, we want to attach to this thing in case it blows, you know, in case it blows big. And so um, a producer, uh, Todd Remus, came along and was like, do you need more money for your film? And I was like, I do. Mm-hmm. This is how much I need. And um, do you 25K okay. came through. Came I like through numbers, his, Numa. Yeah, I love so numbers. 25K came through his <laughs> okay. connections. Got it. Okay. So uh, because he's kind of like a broker and he's able to he, he knows find to he knows people that. with money and he finds out what do you need and helps you go get it you okay. know or gets it for you you know so that add that up 30 30 25 <laughs> are you i hope 60, you guys i hope listeners are taking notes 105 105 plus like 10 i the entire budget is about one hundred and fifteen thousand. okay you know, okay. by the time we by the time got you the got film out. So now no further changes have been made to the film. So that's like the final budget. So, yeah. you know, we got it done for 115 wow. um, slowly mm-hmm. <laughs> over, time over time with really great support you know, from people giving five dollars to people giving you yep. know, 25 and 30 K. Um, that's still super scrappy. Yeah. Like they, they just it's so you scrappy, d- you know, Numa. but Numa, you did it did it <laughs> we did like we raised the money it was over time uh, people stepped up in a huge way um i'm so proud of you we have a movie now <laughs> i just i'm just just because i i just remembered you know like some of the some of those beginning stages mm-hmm. and it's just amazing to see like i remember when you had shared that it was picked up on for netflix and all this mm-hmm. and i i think i may have been at work and i was like yeah yeah, it's like just <laughs> so it's out. Like you can, you know, go watch it, Jezebel. So and you'll see what we did. So what's next for you? So much, honey. Yes, so much. Yes. <laughs> so this has really opened up my career in the biggest way. Um, I have another feature that okay. I'm doing. I got a job. I got like a big job. It's not an announced yet, but it will be soon. Uh-huh. It's a big leap into like you know a major studio streamer uh, production. Um, with a major budget, major you know, budget. and I'm directing it. So, ooh, you're gonna, ooh, this is a different set of challenges for you. Yeah. You're gonna have to start making the numbers climb it, up a little exactly, bit. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's really kind of all the same. It's just like zeros, more zeros. You're gonna have to add a couple zeros because you're still fighting for the same stuff. You're yeah. like, I want to do this scene, but do we have enough money? Yeah. You know, it's just more money going to more people. That's yeah. how I look at it. Um, but yeah, Congratulations. it does. Thank you. So, um, okay. yeah, I don't know when they're gonna. Special thanks to our guest today, Numa Perrier. If you have a burning question or two, just email me at unbossedessence.com. Tell me about a woman in your life who inspires you to be unbossed. Or if you don't want to email, comment. 
on social media using the hashtag Unboss Podcast. And please, please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Say nice things. Say constructive things, please. Okay. See you guys later.